And we're now going to read from um, 2 Philippians. So if you'd like to turn in the Bibles, if you have them, to page 831. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of God in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphrodites, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor men like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Golf was good yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. It was good. Mm. Oh, a couple of thousand. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Yeah, it was good. I might get some water. That's right. Yeah, sure. Let's get some water. Do you guys know what's happening next? Hmm? Do you know what's happening next? No idea. No idea? Oh, okay. Stephen's. Do you know what's happening next? I'm, I'm up. Oh, okay, good. Hey, everyone. How you going? Oh, let this over here. Yeah, sure. Let's get this. Is that working? Is that good? I think so. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Good. So, what am I doing? All right. Looks like I'm doing the talk. Okay, let's do that then, shall we? Hi. <laughs> Was that a little bit awkward, a bit weird? Yep, good. You see, <laughs> we, we have a schedule here. Our run sheet says, straight after the Bible reading, Mike gets up and does the talk, and he's supposed to go for 25 minutes. Yeah, th- thanks, Rob. 25 minutes. It's also 30 here. I've got an extra five minutes today. That's great. Um, we actually use our time, and when it's not done in an appropriate way, it kind of can be a bit weird and a bit awkward. 
and we are actually so driven to time, you are probably thinking, this is, what is he doing? He's an idiot. And if this was a really big, big, uh, you know, church of kind, I say 500 or as a convention, and the convention speaker did that, they said, so unprofessional, they're wasting time. It wouldn't work because we don't have time to waste. We've hit the 1st of November, and what do we usually say this time of year? I know I'll fall back into this habit. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. Where's everything gone? The year's gone already. Can you believe the year's gone already? I'm just rehearsing for what I'm going to say to you a bit later in November and December. Can you believe it? Then I'm showing January, February. I can't believe we're just about to plan in the weeks right here. There are so many things on that are just about to happen. We're going to wear ourselves out trying to have fun, to catch up with everyone because it's Christmas and we've got to see everyone. And we're trying to have fun at this time of year. There's no time to waste and we have a schedule. You see, the problem with time, the problem with our time is we don't have any. We don't have enough time. If I was to ask you to put up your hand, I won't say, do you feel like you keep on running out of time? I reckon probably nearly everyone will put up their hand, whether that's reality or not. You feel rushed. Even as a uni student, when I felt like now I had more time, when I had half an hour to get that assignment into that box and I still had to write the final paragraph, I did not have time. And it feels like that all the time. We don't have time. Or it feels like that. So what we want to do today is we're going to think about our time in the middle of our series on generosity. And what I want us to do is I want us to see how generosity and the time that we have need to intersect. And as we do that today, I want us to see, um, if you're a Christian here today, that with your time... You have Christian priorities and generosity has to be a part of it. And if you're not a Christian today or you're here visiting and you're thinking about what it is to uh, Christians think about, I think what God wants you to consider today is should your time involve him? And so what we're going to do, we're going to consider God and how he's acted in time. And then we'll think about how we deal with it. There's an outline in your, in your leaflets uh, as well. And how, how we're to think about our time in light of that. And then hopefully at the end, if I don't run out of time, we'll get practical. Uh, and there you'll see there's the last three, four, five and six. They're going to be questions. And they'll come up on the screen. And I think they'll be great questions for you to consider this week about generosity and your time. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off by considering God in history. You see, Christianity is not just some rule that we live by. It's not an OH&S policy that we must do to keep above board. It's not just a philosophy of ideas that we think help us in life. Christianity is about a God who has acted in history And when we see this God act in history, what we find at every single moment, we see his generosity ooze out of the pages of the Bible. 
And so we start at the beginning. And at the beginning, if we look in at Genesis and we see when God does all his creating work, the summation of it all is it was very good. Genesis 1.37. It was very good. God was making something for someone else and for his glory, the relationship he has with himself, and he made this world for us. And it's magnificent. It's ordered so we can understand life. It's beautiful. It's there for us to enjoy with him. It's fruitful. God made something for someone else. And so in the beginning was generosity. God's generosity to us. Now, one moment which I argue is, is a, a moment of generosity on my part is I love doing kids' ministry. I love doing kids' ministry. There's one thing that I need to subcontract out, and it's craft. <laughs> I just can't do craft. I find it hard, and I'm so glad that Jen, my wife, is good at it because you need to do it well, and it's got to be fun, and I just can't do it. So when Ethan was having an Avengers Lego party and he's coming up with all these games, running the games, which is lots of fun, was great. But spending three hours past 12 o'clock in the night sticky taping um, Avengers Lego characters together and building things and stuff like that, that was me being so generous with my time because I was making someone for someone else because I wasn't making it for myself. But I think by bragging about that, I kind of took apart any sense of generosity that it was in that moment, unfortunately. But it's more than this. It's not just that God made stuff for us to be in. Consider just for a moment how he considers us when he made us. You see, he made us in his image. We see that in our 127. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He wasn't just generous in giving us life to live in. He's brought us into the very relationship of himself as image bearers of him. That we rule this world under him as he's the Lord of all. That we reflect his character. And we're looking at one particular component of generosity today. And we see God's purpose was included, included us having a deep, profound relationship with him. How generous is this start? And the story of the Bible, in which we don't have the time to go into now, is one of God being generous over and over again. The story from Abraham on, God's making a people for himself, that these image bearers will be with God forever, in his place, his rule, together loving him. How generous is this God that he's giving a place for them? And so Abraham, God makes promises to him and these promises continue on. There's this covenant relationship in which God says, I'm making this relationship with you and you agree to be in it with me and it's going to be brilliant. How generous is God? We haven't earned it. We were made in his image. And yet, we could turn from any part in the narrative of the Bible in the Old Testament and we'll see time and time again Hundreds of years, and the people are not doing that well with this image-bearing relationship. 
They kind of continually, over and over again, get it wrong. Whenever we jump into the Bible at different times and look at different books, we see that in different ways. We see God's people rejecting God's way. In a sense, rejecting his generosity. I'd love to go into depth there, but I want to move on. Because what's God going to do about it? What does God do? Well, the next thing is, God steps into history. God steps into history. The baby in a manger is not just the baby in a manger. It's God's expression of generosity in which what I wanted to happen requires me to humble myself and come into this world as one of you. As John chapter 1 talks about the word became flesh. Matthew 1.25, talking about that um, Christmas narrative, God with us. Is that not extraordinary generosity that God would do that? And when he came, he didn't just come and kind of wander around aimlessly like I did um, kind of stupidly for a few minutes there at the beginning of the talk. He came with a purpose and he was always on about that purpose. When he was a boy in Luke chapter 2, his parents lose him, uh, uh, Mary and Joseph lose him because he's at the temple doing his father in heaven's work. He was never going to shy away from that. Even at the expense of his, um, his uh, earthly parents freaking out about where he was. He went through and he lived a perfect life. Have you ever picked up a gospel and read it as a story instead of just jumping in and out of it? And reading Jesus and seeing what a magnificent, what a magnificent man he was. He was perfect. He, every moment of his time was devoted to being completely and utterly perfect as God would want him to be. And he healed people to point to the fact that the problem that they have is not going to, uh, is not going to get fixed unless he does something about it. The Old Testament healing promises, here he is, in time, doing things, completely focused on fixing our problem. He always spoke. He didn't talk about the golf on, uh, on Friday. He talked about the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom of God over and over again because that's what time was about. People into all eternity being in the kingdom of God. He was completely focused there's this great moment in Luke's gospel where Jesus is leading all this up and when the focus of it, him dying is, and in chapter 951, Jesus sets out resolutely to Jerusalem because that's where from this point on, he's even more focused in on going to the cross to die. Everything he does is pointing us to his death for us. And as we consider his death, we see the last point on the screen there, he came to be rich in mercy. The God who steps into history, the way he uses his time is to prepare for mercy, to talk about the need, the fact that we need his mercy, and then he provides mercy. That's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, 
on the screen there, the verses four and five are around the wrong way, but that's all right. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He spent his whole time getting ready and going to the cross to be overflowingly merciful. He died, you see it there very clearly, to make us alive. What does he do with his time? He spends it talking about how the fact that he needs to die for us. He prepares for it. And then he takes our place on the cross. You see, mercy is generosity we don't deserve. When we talk about being saved by grace, we're, we're talking about the fact that without time, we don't do anything to earn salvation because God is the one who has in time done something. The gospel heart sees mercy and grace. And is there anything more generous? I find it hard to see that there is. This great, great mercy, I mean that Jesus died for us, he rose, he ascended into heaven, and so this God in history is now, our next point, he forever reigns as he's waiting for his people. Jesus is alive, interceding for us still in time, generously. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he is an advocate for us. He is going to come back, the promise of going to come back, so he will bring his people into all eternity. So if he's reigning, he's going to come back. What is he doing now? There's another thing he's doing. And I think it's really important for us to understand our time and our generosity. Have a look at 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's generosity with his time now is that he's patient. He is waiting. He's not distracted. He's not getting, oh, will I keep my promise? Will I I'll worry about my promises later? I know I said I would save them. I know they can be with me forever, but I'll get to that later. He's waiting. Because he wants people to turn from the darkness to light. To see what he did when he came into the world and realize that they need to turn their life around and trust in him. Look at how he sees the years. He's outside of this time. He's created time for us. Don't forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. He's not up there going, oh. I thought I'd wait 3,000 years and it's only 1,500. I've got another 1,500 to wait. I'm getting bored. No, it's not, that's not our great God. He's patient because he's waiting for people to turn to him in repentance. 
He's not procrastinating. That's my issue, not God's. My issue with procrastination is so deep and profound, especially when I was a teenager. In year 12, when I was trying to commit to study, what I did was, I didn't try and fight it. I had a, you know, we didn't have computers probably then like that, so I had a big bit of cardboard and I set out the week and I wrote it in there and on Monday at at 2 o'clock, procrastination. I built it into my time schedule, genius! And I, so I could do it. You try and procrastinate. So then I could justify getting away with not studying. That probably doesn't work. Anyway, um, that's, God's not procrastinating. He is patient. It's not surprising then when we uh, uh, consider the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is to have patience. God's generosity towards us, giving us something we need, looking out for our interests, is for him to wait. See, God's generosity in time has all been about wanting to see repentance. That's well and good for God, though. How can I possibly be generous? How can I possibly be generous? I don't have enough time. We established that at the beginning as you're all getting a bit annoyed at me wasting time. We established at the beginning, we've got Easter, we've got Easter, we've got, <laughs> I can't wait for Easter's coming up. We've got Christmas first. We've got Christmas coming, we've got all this stuff to do, we've got a, we've got a church plan, we're going to do all these other things and we're like, ah! How can I possibly be generous? I'm not being selfish, I just don't have the time. God is not affected by time, we saw that in 2 Peter. Don't forget this one thing, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. That's not me. A day is a day, and they go quickly. You see, here's the thing. This is one of the things I think we need to stop and realize and consider. It's not that you or I are running out of time. It's that you are always in time. How are you going to use your time wherever or whatever you happen to be doing in it? Part of generosity is not trying to get to, if I can just get to all of these things done and I'll see how many hours I've got left, then I can be generous. No, no, no. We say God's always generous. That's who he is. So I'm doing this now. I'm working now. I'm being with my family now. I've got friends here. I've got a social activity. I'm generous throughout this whole period. We're always in time. And so we're thinking about how we can be generous with wherever we are. How are you going to use it? This also is very helpful and I hope becomes clear in this talk in that this isn't an exercise in somehow trying to manipulate you into getting more time out of your day or even if you don't, getting you to do the things that I think you should. That would be a fail on my part or a complete misreading on yours and not what we're seeing about the generous heart of God. We should consider generosity is something that we're always thinking about wherever we are. But we should not just go, okay, I'll just be generous for generous sake. I think we, what we see with God and why I laboured how we saw what God has done through history uh, fairly quickly is because Christian generosity has kingdom priorities. It's why um, uh, 
last week when we had um, uh, Philippians read and we saw that the attitude, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus if we, if we uh, elaborated on that, uh, elaborate that on, if you look in uh, Philippians 2, and we, we saw that last week, Jesus humbled himself. The God with us thing is not God just doing something that's so where he's at. He lowered himself out of generosity. This humility that he did. This is the Lord of all who made all things, as Colossians tells us. The, crea- the world was made by him and for him and through him, and now he's lowered himself. Humble humility, extraordinary generosity. And this is what our attitude is to be. That's what we saw in our reading today with uh, the idea that Philippians are to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, and that Paul is saying he's a drink offering for the kingdom. And he, he commends uh, Timothy and, and, and Epaphroditus because they're serving for the work of the gospel at all costs. Because they see generosity requires kingdom generosity. But if you get back to where I started today and I said, if, how do you think about this if you're not a Christian? Should your time involve God? And I want to suggest to you that maybe you need to consider the fact that God is saying, I've made you as an image bearer of me. That I have come into the world because you shattered that image. And I have died in your place so that you can live for me as an image bearer. I think the call on all of our lives is to see that with clarity. That God was generous, not for the sake of just being generous, but because of his desire out of love to save us. And maybe today that is what you need to consider. Maybe today you need to acknowledge that he has done that for you. And trusting in that, knowing that he has done that. That your time is not meant to be about earning favour with him. If we try and do that, as someone who's uh, not a Christian thinking, I'll just get to, get to the end and go, God, I tried. That's a fail. But if we as Christians know that it's by what God's done out of his generosity, but then in our attitude, do generosity for an extra kind of bonus, extra little kind of safeguard, that's a very dangerous place to be as well. Instead, it's an outward expression of what he has done for us and why we want to be generous with our time. So how can I be kingdom uh, generous? As we, um, as we wrap up, The first three things are uh, practical suggestions and then some questions for us to think about. What I've already said is, the first one is, generosity will have God-like patience. Not to give up on people or just actively ignore them. Sometimes being generous towards others is to wait. I can't help but tell you my favourite... Testimony story, and that's with my dad. 
When I got serious about Christianity, Dad was very far away from it. And whenever we'd have a conversation at home, he'd walk out of the room. I'd talk to him about Ephesians 2 specifically over and over and over again to the point where he's not interested, he's not getting it. And I kind of, in some ways, in the back of my mind, had moved on. And then Dad just started coming to church sometimes because I was at that church in Sydney. And Mum was doing the the introduction to the Bible course, and so he did it as well. And he opens up there, and there's Ephesians 2, and it's by grace you have been saved. And he's like, wow. And he goes into the other room and says to mum, have you read, I'm reading this thing about grace. And mum says, I'm reading it right now as well. Isn't it good? And he goes, yes, it is. Thank you very much. And I say to dad a little bit later, oh, I've been talking to you about that very passage so many times. And he says, yeah, I kind of remember it, but I didn't at the time hear it at all. I'd given up and God hadn't because he's far more patient than me. We should really learn from that, I think. I certainly have. I think secondly, specifically to us now in time, I think we should actually consider, all of us, how can we be generous in our part of church planting? How can we spend our time rethinking about it? Because it is a big task. It's not an easy thing to do. Satan does not want us to start another church and have another opportunity and another place for people to hear about Jesus. He's going to not want it to happen. He's going to want us to be lazy. He's going to want a whole bunch of us to say, it's too hard, it's going to ruin T&E, and to have that mindset come about. Or, what I actually think is the case, this is, it's actually a great opportunity for us to express generosity in all different types of ways, whether you stay at T&E and there's places where you can step up and you can help out or you come, come with us and, and, and try, try something new and in that initial phase when we're really small, try and help us get going. Kingdom generosity thinks that way. It's the way um, Jane, actually, I'm going to embarrass you, Jane, sorry, but uh, it's the way Jane spoke to me about the 21st of November. That's when we're having our, um, our day away together. And Jane just very generously straight away said, I will still do it on that day, but if anyone's thinking of coming to the, to the uh, church plan, you're having your day away, which is an important day, um, I'll tell them to go to that and we'll find other people to do the baking. That's generous. And that's how we all should think. The third one is, consider how God uses his time for us. For God... And for others, is how we should use our time. There's two good things that are examples for us. Our leisure and our family. Do you just use your leisure and it's your sacred time and no one else can have a bar of it? And it sacrifices a whole bunch of other things. Leisure is good. I enjoy relaxing. I need to relax. I hope you relax. I hope you're not burning yourself out because you don't have time to relax. But what about your family? Stephen and I have been talking and thinking about is one of the problems I think men have, Christian men have, is, is that we, we want to actually look after our families and spend lots of time with our families. And we're so time poor with work and lots of other things that if we care for our families and love our families, we don't have time to try and find other men. How do we figure that out? How can we as a family, maybe there's a, there's a time when we try and do those other things with other men, but still completely love our family and not make our family go a complete idol. It's not easy, but we need to think about it. 
There's three things. I want to finish with three questions. They'll come up on the screen. I'd love you to think about them this week. The first one is, I want us to think about these questions as like a taking stock. In some ways, I wanted us to think about time today as a chance for us just to kind of reassess. And the first one is, can I change the way I think about what I have to do? That is to say, there are things that you can't change, unless you're changing jobs or whatever, but if you're, if you, you've got to pay the bills. You need to go to work. This talk is not saying, no, you don't. You need to spend your time other ways. It's, are you a generous person at work or just at church? Do you have generous kingdom priorities at work as well, even though they may be expressed differently? Or just the church? Or just with Christians? I think that's a really good question to ask, not to box your life into different categories, but to think, with whatever I'm doing, how do I think about it? Am I generous in them? The second question is, can I review what I choose to do? There is also a good opportunity for us to assess what we can do and change. There are different seasons in life. You have more time to do other things uh, when, when you're a kid than when you're an adult. When you're, if you've got kids, if you don't have kids, if you are retired or not retired. And in those times in themselves, do you continue to think, could I use my time better? Do I spend way too much time uh, by myself watching television when I could be watching it with someone else or uh, actually going out and being involved in whatever with church? Do I care about people or am I just stuck in my ways and I'm not going to change them for anyone? What, what I can change is worth considering. Time management is actually hard, and if we let it go by, and I know there's times when I've been atrocious, but maybe it's worth us taking stock and considering it and talking with others that we live with. And the last question, the last question is, how am I willing to share my time with others? Where is my specific mission time? That is, do you care about other people genuinely? with patience, with actually wanting to do it, or you just think, hmm, I'll come to church, and I don't want to be generous in that way. I'll finish with one little practical tip that um, I got the other week, and I think it's a good one. Uh, there was a, an event on a Monday night a couple of weeks ago. Um, a guy, Sam Chan, was speaking. Uh, if he's he talks about evangelism very helpfully, I think. Lots of great ideas. There's a really great talk online that would be worth us all listening to. And one of his first tips was this. If you're going to want to reach people, it's the long game. And he talked about these long games and relationships. But he said, what you need to do is you need to let your friends be their friends. You need to bring them together. That if you just try and be a Christian by yourself, that's great and good. But the long game is, is that you just want to have friends. And relate to people. And so you have your Christian friends hanging out with your non-Christian friends, not forced and staged and events all the time, but you just share life with your Christian friends and your non-Christian friends together, and then maybe sometimes they become friends. Instead of having to segregate your life because you don't want them to intersect, I think that's a really great, just one tip that could be useful or might not be useful, but that's the mindset.
Do I care about generosity to others? Because we've seen today, God's generosity in time cannot be matched and it gives us eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have sent your Son and we have life into all eternity because of him. For those of us who are really struggling with generosity, renew our hearts. Those of us who are trying to figure out how we can do it better and express it in different ways, give us wisdom. Father, we pray that we will be generous people because of what you've done for us. Amen.